What is going on, my fellow Summit Chasers? Welcome to another episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest, our new partner with the Summit Chasers Network team, Chrissy Neefsey. She is currently the senior director or one of the senior directors of HR at Yahoo. She's worked for Snapchat. She's worked for Nextdoor. She's been spent a lot of years in recruiting, and she's extremely passionate about what she does helping organizations, helping small businesses, helping entrepreneurs achieve the life that they want. She's just, she's exactly the right cultural personality characteristic fit for what we are trying to achieve at Summit Chasers Network. And this is her first time doing a podcast, and I thought she did very, very well. She's getting comfortable speaking on camera, sharing her knowledge, sharing her past experiences, and really vocalizing and communicating how that can really change and for the better and improve a lot of people's businesses and a lot of people's lives. So sit back and get your notebooks out. Enjoy this one with maybe a, you know, let's go with a no pulp. Let's go with apple juice today. Let's get, let's get some apple juice and maybe a croissant with some butter and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I am very excited for this one because this is our new I get to welcome our new partner again, Chrissy. How you doing, Chrissy? Hey, Zach. It's good to be here. I'm starting to feel like uh, Travis Kelsey's agent said they're worried about him getting overexposed now that he's in so many commercials. He's dating Taylor Swift, and that's how I'm starting to feel with our weekly catch-ups, this podcast. Mm -hmm. So tried to change the background a little bit. I'm still in my office. Usually I'm sitting in front of these doors, but trying to just give everyone a little bit of a different layout because I think it's probably boring to see me in the same place so many times. So we'll, we'll change it up. That was a very accurate comparison. I think yeah. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Swift and Travis Kels. I think that's, I think that's perfect. That's exactly what we're going for. No, yeah. but it's, um, we, it's hard to not, this is going to sound maybe a little bit strange, but it's hard to not over, uh, you know, put you out there too much. Because we're very excited about it, like we, because we met two years, almost two years ago now, yeah. mm -hmm. um, just uh, networking um, with my, my previous agency, and we've just stayed in touch ever since. Then I introduced you to the mastermind with Adrena, and then and then we started this conversation. But yeah. it was, it's been very, it's been very easy, and I'm a yeah. big fan of you, who, we, what kind of what you stand for, um, who you are, and I mean, you're obviously. Uh, passionate about very passionate about the mission that summit chasers is on otherwise yes. you probably i mean you might be here but you wouldn't be on the team like you are so yeah. no it's 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 hard to not over <laughs> over over hype it and, and put it out there too too much but no, we're, we're very excited I'm very excited to have this conversation um because i want to obviously introduce you a little bit more to everybody um and we have a pretty good topic that we we were talking about kind of before we hit record which was HR and the importance of HR and everybody's kind of perception of HR and how they, mm -hmm. when they're looking, especially small to medium sized businesses, when they're at that point where they really want to scale and the, the managers can't be involved in every hire, every interview, every, you know, coaching session or every um, review, right? Performance review. Um, the HR really is the heartbeat that allows companies to scale consistently. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they're um, improving churn rate or employee turnover, employee development, employee 
happiness at work, right? Like work, work, um, work community. Um, so we wanted to kind of get a little bit more of that, but I won't spoil it any more than I already have. But Christy, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. You've had some great experiences and I want to hear, I don't hear all about it, but I want to hear most of it. So take it, take it from here, Chrissy. Awesome. Well, thank you again, everyone for uh, having me. And we've, I mean, I, you and Andrina are athletes. Like I know you have really um, long experiences with sports. I think business is my sport. Like I um, first of all, I'm super clumsy. I have no hand-eye coordination. I broke my nose jogging down the sidewalk. So like, I really try to stay very contained to like my office, my laptop. But one thing that I do think like just stimulates me at the same way, you know, athletes are excited about getting in the ring is like just talking to business leaders. I think that is, I have found myself to be totally obsessed with the business of business. There's a business around everything right and so um all of my experiences which i've been super fortunate to have and from the first internship or working at the gap in high school right like like i really start to i started to understand the the culture the operating processes what are the business goals right like is it to sign up 11 credit cards today is it to push the sales rack like a, you know like whatever's on you know inventory turnover um, when you're in retail is what does that promotion track look like for people who are on the floor and want to get promoted to store managers, things of that nature. Um, my first real internship was actually at um, uh, Ralph Children's, Ralph Lauren Children's Wear. And I worked with the merchandising group, right? I thought I wanted to stay in retail and sales and fashion and things of that nature. And I worked for Ralph Lauren Children's Wear with the uh, merchandising and inventory team. And we worked with a lot of the buyers from the big, you know, uh, um, department stores like Macy's and Nordstrom and things of that nature. And it was so interesting to see what their buying plans looked like, or how did we do pricing and, and, you know, um, you know, make up the packages of inventory based on what their customer segments looked like and things of that nature. Um, my second internship was at Pfizer and I worked in their global human resources organization. And we worked on their relaunch of their global corporate values. And that to me was such an aha experience as everything is when you're interning, right? And you're in your new. Um, but what I really took away from that was <clears throat> the amount of thought, like uh, the seriousness behind what values you're selecting for the organization. Mm -hmm. What, how do you communicate them? How do you ensure they have relevance across, you know, global markets or, even regional areas within the US, right? Like how do we make sure we're using language that is, you know, able to be easily communicated when you're not explaining this word to a person, are they gonna understand what to take away from it in a way that supports the business and the organization in the way that you're delivering this experience for people or making how you want people to feel, right? And so values, I think was a, that was a huge project. Um, it was a really thoughtful communication campaign. And that really also taught me the power of internal communications and having thoughtful internal communications around your organization. Moving on, I went to Northwestern Mutual, where as an intern, I was actually hiring other interns for their insurance sales business. And the major, the, the major takeaway from Northwestern Mutual is that they had a very clear hiring profile. They looked for college athletes. They knew 
like what are the personal values that these candidates would have right that the self-discipline the um you know internal competitiveness right like uh the ability to build teams and relationships and really you know encourage each other to hit numbers and you know be part of these team goals and things of that nature so that was awesome i was there for a year and a half and i really got into the landscape of like recruiting but really sourcing building relationships with universities you know really thinking about how do you go out and build relationships to create the talent pipelines based on the values that you're trying to build within your organization after that, I was ready to graduate finally. So most people go abroad. I actually stayed in New York. I went to Fordham University in the Bronx. Um, and I took every opportunity I could to, to get internships. I was in New York. I wanted to maximize that opportunity, get exposure, and start building my professional network as much as possible. And um, that was my abroad because it was really like I was shifting from being, you know, um, in a growing up in a suburb of, of New York and really wanted to set myself up of like, okay, I need to learn street smarts. I need to learn what it's like to navigate corporate environments on my own. I don't have the, you know, protection of my parents and things of that nature who they also, you know, had, had set me up really well, which I really am so grateful for. Um, but, you know, I also had their personal values that instilled in me in order to go out and be the person, um, you know, while I was interning or getting jobs, my dad ran a business. He ran a practice with two of his business partners, um, which they ended up growing and scaling. And the importance of being in that environment is that all his business partners became our extended family. We had, um, play group growing up when we were too young for school, like the moms would get together and all the kids would, would grow up together. We went to nursery school together. We had communions together. We were in each other's weddings, you know, things like summer camps, et cetera. Um, so it was really like the essence of the power of culture and coworkers that like kind of made me think about after I was done with all of these internship opportunities, like how do I go and find an environment where I'm going to be able to be successful in building capabilities, relationships, endurance, you know, like resilience, and really be able to go, um, you know, have an impact on my community the same way I saw my family be able to have an impact on my community at home based on the businesses that they were running, right? So that was really, um, that was really how I kind of navigated my college career to set myself up for my professional career. Uh, when I was ready to graduate, I went to K-Force, which is a big it's a, it was like one of the big four um, publicly traded staffing agencies. Mm. And that was my foray into sales, recruiting, uh, sales operations. I was at that company for seven years. And you don't know how to study yourself for rejection until you've done years in a sales seat, right? Mm. Um, but I think really that's where I honed my relationship around understanding how you follow people's energy, like, is now the right time? Maybe not. How do you come back when it is? Um, how do you handle re uh, rejection, right? And like, mm -hmm. not take it personally. This isn't about you. Um, but it really built up a lot of confidence that like, all right, I'm just going to dial the next person and get on with my life. You know what I mean? Like, um, and also, you know, really helping you reframe the objection. Like I got really, really good at asking the right question, right? And so 
but the way I learned was by asking all the wrong questions. Right. So, um, that, that was a big, I think that's actually one of the core skill sets that I've been able to bring with me into business partnering because as an HR business partner with leaders is, you know, what's making this person tick? What are they actually trying to accomplish? Am I delivering the thing that feels relevant and useful to them? If there's rejection, that's the feedback I need because I've missed, I've misscoped what it, what it is that I, that I, that they need, right. That, that I interpreted that they need. So that was, that was my, my career at K-Force. One of my coworkers actually recommended me for another opportunity, which was a startup organization um, called Russell Tobin. It was a start, it was a, it was a staffing arm of Pride Global, which is a um, multifaceted, you know, kind of like business process outsourcing, staffing outsourcing, payrolling company. And timing really is a lot of what frames opportunity, but you have to be prepared to be able to like seize the moment. Um, when I joined Russell Tobin, like this was such a formative experience of my life because number one, the founder of Pride Global really gave people these leadership capabilities, right? In a safe environment. He said, we had this thousand dollar rule that I loved. It was like, if you were going to make a business decision that had more than a thousand dollar impact on the business, you had to make a business case to bring it to the, the owner of the company. That's nerve wracking. You're like, is this really going to be worth his attention? And is this valid? You know, am I using the right judgment here on, on how to act like an owner around, you know, how I'm deploying his money and resources on behalf of the organization? Also, if you had a business risk that was going to be more than a thousand dollars, you had to explain and kind of like put your business case together, the justification and, you know, what you, like what was an anticipated solution to help try to like solve for that, that gap. So that really helped me think about business judgment and how to think like a business owner. So that really was awesome. Um, at that time, this was around 2013. Fang was hitting their first spout of like hyper growth, I would say, after the financial crisis, mm. um, you know, in, in 2008. So um, I was in staffing for financial services during 2008, which was an interesting time because it was total bust. And then it was total boom because they had to keep operations going after they laid off all these people. So that was an interesting dynamic around scaling and, and unscaling businesses, right? Um, but the same process kind of came up in 2013 when you had Facebook growing by 30% of their engine. So they had to grow their engineering talent by 30% in order to hit their next scaling, you know, opportunity. We had to hire like crazy for that team. So, you know, uh, my organization was asked to come do an RPO, which is a recruit recruiting process outsourcing project for Facebook. And we went on site as a partner and built out their recruiting strategy with them, pipelined candidates, did you know, high volume interview planning, offer extensions. We had to think about what onboarding looked like when you're like ingesting not only like the engineering talent, but everything that supports all of this engineering talent. That's a major scaling opportunity for a company. And you have to think about not only hiring those engineers, but everyone around them that's going to make these people successful, right? And so 
that was a major experience that um, really, it, it was me and my business partner, uh, Kelly, who we were just, um, Kelly Shade, she's at, um, uh, she's at Array right now. Um, but like, that was something we had to do together. Just like, number one, help scale Facebook and our own company because we had to open an office in the Bay Area. Once we got this project up and started, we had to have our own team on the ground that we wanted to make sure could continue this this relationship over time, right? Um, so that was, in, that was insane. We had to like help our client and build our own business. And tell me people in the Summit Chasers Network have never had to do that both at the same time, right? Like build their own company and, you know, help their clients succeed. So that was a wild ride. Like that was just like so crazy. Um, but really helped me build <clears throat> like stamina around these moments of, of scaling. Um, and really have some examples of like what worked, what didn't work, what were our lessons learned? How do we do this differently next time? What are playbooks around these things? Um, and then I went to AOL and, and we, worked with the ad sales business that I, I worked as an HR business partner to the ad sales business there. Um, one of my clients actually recruited me to AOL. And so that's how I joined the organization. Um, that was also a really interesting business challenge for an HR business partner because we, um, AOL in the ads business was really like a holding company, essentially a portfolio of multi-product offerings for advertisers based on our publishers and our partnerships and things of that nature. So we, we had a lot of enablement development, compensation restructuring, right? And at, at, at AOL um, at that time. And then we merged with Yahoo, which was a totally different fully baked, you know, 20 year old company at the time, let's say 25 year old company at the time. And Yahoo had a very significant culture, right? Like they were a Bay Area tech company. We were a New York based at AOL. We were a New York based advertising media organization, right? So even just like corporate cultures around what we're bringing to market, you know, and, and even the cities that we were located in was, was so different. So that was an amazing experience as an HR business partner to really think about how do we get the best of both worlds and help recreate a new culture with this shared go-to-market strategy um, that we that we need to execute against and have employees really understand like we need to be a singular team now uh, around this new organization. Um, when I was feeling like I needed to kind of round out my own HR business partnering experience, then I went to Snap. And so one of the opportunities that really drew me to Snap was I've never worked at an organization where there was one product, right? So That's like Snapchat, right? Snapchat, yes. Snapchat. Okay. So the parent company is Snap Inc. Mm. And um, they have Snapchat, Snap Maps, you know, some other different like, you know, pieces of the business together. Um, but I wanted to understand what is it like to work with one product? Snap, as you know, is a very, like, it's very user centric. It's very design focused. Right. And so that was a different mindset. Like I had, I had done a lot around 
um, you know, go to market business strategies, ads, you know, things of that nature. And now I really wanted to get into in some of the professional services work that I'd done coming out of like staffing or business process outsourcing environments, things of that nature. So I really wanted to go to a product organization and understand how do leaders think about running a product first organization. And Snap had the core values of kind, smart, and creative. And I would say my experience at Snap <clears throat> has really um smart is what resonates with me, you know, most from that organization. They were kind, they were creative. Like Snap is one of the most creative organizations I've ever uh, worked with. But my takeaway and how I honed my own leadership skills was the exposure to smart, you know, the smart aspect of their work. Um, you know, Evan as a founder, he is a deep studier. He always had experts, people who wrote books, like, like, or the book on a topic come and speak to the organization. And I think he really, part of that culture that st stood with me is like, if you're going to be good at something or you want to know about something, go to the, like, go to the source of information or study something very deeply and make sure you understand it before you move on, right? Like there's like surface level will only get you that far. And so if you're serious about learning, if you're serious about becoming an expert in your craft, that, that mindset is really what landed with me at, at Snap and um, design thinking. I read the design thinking book uh, by IDEO and there's a podcast and things of that nature. Like that's really the mindset that product developers and designers lead with their uh, experiences. So for me, I was like, okay, let me think about designing the corporate experience different. Let me think about designing the employee experience different. What's the feeling that we want to emote, right? For, for people who are joining the organization, leaving the organization, uh, people who hear about our organization. And um, there was an example in the IDEO book of, an, of a, a children's hospital. Like they were like, okay, parents, if, if a parent has to bring their child to a children's hospital, what are they going through? We have the logistics and operating process set up to get the person from the, the child from like the door to, you know, a hospital room and being seen as quickly as humanly possible, because that's the efficiency that needs to happen. That's the service value of that hospital. Right. But then they were like, okay, I'm laying on a, a, a gurney. I'm going down the hallway. I'm staring at a white ceiling. This is freaking me out. Like this isn't calming me as the patient down. Right. Or the parent is seeing all this chaos around them. People are running and yelling and things of that nature they're getting hyped up and more and more panicked, right? So they redesigned the ceilings to like, you know, be some like a scene that the kids would like to see along the way, right? And it kind of just distracts them a little bit from, you know, the stress on their body. Um, I think they changed some of the entrances for the parents to make that a more calming and, and soothing experience for as much as it humanly can be. Um, so that example really resonated with me around how do we think about HR as a product for the organization in a way that we can change the experience that people are having? Um, and that's all within our control. We just have to think about it differently. So that's what I would say how all my experiences 
like what I've taken away from each one to kind of really form what I, what I consider to be my differentiator as an HR business partner with business leaders. Um, it's not just about like, what results do you want to drive, but also like, how do you want to drive them and how do you want people to feel? Don't go anywhere. This is just a really quick word for our amazing sponsors over at Koyos. In a world craving customized solutions, Koyos stands out by offering tailored leadership solutions. Their cutting edge AI delves deep into personality insights. That empowers leaders and business owners to adapt their approach to each team member's unique psychological profile. What's the result? A surge in motivation and productivity that traditional one-size-fits-all methods, they just can't match. But they don't just stop there. Koyos crafts synergistic teams by bringing together diverse personalities, creating an environment where innovation isn't just something that's encouraged. It's going to be inevitable. Imagine being able to pinpoint exactly what your team is missing to perform at their best. Have a clear understanding of how a new hire will fit in, how to lead and get the best out of them quicker. And as the business landscape evolves, staying ahead means anticipating change. Koyos equips leaders with predictive insights, transforming team dynamics from reactive to proactive. With Koyos, you're not just navigating the future, you are shaping it. Koyos is helping us redefine leadership and unleashing our clients and your team's potential. Start your journey today and lead with confidence tomorrow. Hit the link in the description below and use code SUMMIT10 at checkout to receive 10% off your first three months. Now, back to the episode. And that's probably you know 15% of why we're excited to have you on, but that's the... I think there, there's a lot... Well, first of all, there's a lot to unpack in there. Like there's... First of all, there's one where it's the communication. Communication within an organization and mm-hmm. the consistency, the values. All of the stuff needs to be, again, it needs to, it needs to be equal throughout the entire organization. It needs to be communicated the same consistently throughout the entire organization. What role does HR play? Because there's a lot of, and I don't know if this has been a culture thing or if it's been, you know, in the media, whatever it is, but HR is seen as <laughs> payroll, going to the principal's yeah. office, right? You have a complaint, go to HR. You know, like it's, it's not. It hasn't been seen whether this, again, whether this is a media thing, it's a social media kind of thing. Um, but HR is incredibly important. Like if you want to scale, like HR is the heartbeat, right? So what, if you're, if you're a small business or a medium-sized business and maybe you just have one HR person and right now they're in that role where it's just policy and payroll kind of mm-hmm. thing, what would your advice be to them to grow and bolster their HR department? And then when they do, what results can they expect when they do it right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's funny. Like I think um, in one of our jobs, we actually had a document that was like, do not be Toby from the office. Like this is not the HR that we are. And that's that what I mean. <laughs> that's right? that's what people see it as. Yeah, exactly. Or Dilbert, like the Dilbert, you know, rip off calendars. I feel like that's kind of like a, I, I think he's supposed to be an office worker, but like, I mean, that's kind of also the HR vibe. Like, um, uh, I, I, I joke around with some of my leaders, like Wendy Rhodes from Billions is the, the hero we needed in HR, where people <laughs> just see her role, like totally different. Um, but I think for me, you know, look, in most organizations, payroll 
could sit in finance, right? Like it's not even an HR function, but people do need to get paid. You have to pay people. What you pay people is where HR gets involved, right? Like, I think that's the value of like, not pay HR, pay these people. It's kind of an accounting function, but how do you decide what you want to pay people? And how do you decide what to goal them off of? Like, that's the, the incentives aspect of it, right? It's also like, how do you want people to feel when they accomplish something and what is the culture of rewards, right? That's that's where I would use your HR brain power, not in the logistic ex execution of something, but more of like, what do we want people to take away when they get their paycheck every week? That they're like super proud to work for this company, that they've, you know, done really impactful work for our for our clients. Like that, like what is that experience you want to design around the delivery of payroll? Um, so that, that's like one thing also benefits. It's funny. Like I'm an HR business partner. I don't, I don't even know how my own benefits work, right? We have them, which I'm super grateful for, but like, I am not a benefits expert. You can outsource that, or, you know, that's also a function that you also have to have benefits for your employees, you know, for, you know, insert you, you're, you're required to around statutory requirements, right? So all of that isn't necessarily a creative HR strategy, but based on what experience you want people to have, how long you want them to stay with the company, what's your average, you know, age of your employees and what, what benefits do they need? Like, do they need help caring for parents or childcare benefits or pet insurance benefits? Like, you know, all of these things really, you know, I think it is important for HR to help you understand, you know, we have five generations in the workplace right now and everyone needs something different. And so once you meet your statutory requirements, then it's like, what experience do you want? What do you want to be, what experience do you want to deliver in the way you help your employees live their lives, right? Like, what do you, you know? So I think that's another way to think about if you have one HR person, how are you asking them to engage with these, with these types of um, programs at the organization? Recruiting. No, it's I mean, over recruiting. Even teaching your team to hire, right? Like at the end of the day, people are not going to come to the organization because they loved the HR person, right? Who interviewed them. They're going to want to work with the manager that is hiring for the position. Who are they trusting their career with? HR is not necessarily, you know, a good use of time isn't going to be, you know, screening. 10,000 resumes, like you need many hands make light work of that type of, you know, things. But what they can help you with is like, did we write the right, you know, summary about our company? Do we have the right, you know, employer brand marketing on our site? Have we coached managers on how to have really impactful interviews? Um, because everyone has to be responsible for that work. It can't be just the, just the HR person. Then that becomes a single point of failure and that person leaves and you're in chaos, right? So, you know, it's also that that's another business risk aspect, right? Of being able to have some business continuity there. Yeah. Like I always saw HR, um, not always, but especially after I did a lot of more of my research into um, the function of HR is it, it as you're a scaling business or as you want to scale, it's really, it's the foundation. It's a big foundation. It's a big glue, right? Because obviously the, there's a big difference between, not a big difference, but there is a difference between like, your values, principles, and vision of the company, and then the strategy, mm -hmm. right? And the, the strategy is, you know, how things are implemented. 
obviously action that's taken, but then the values and the vision and the, the principles. It's like it's a lot of it's HR that keeps that consistent throughout your entire org and the, the departments and the communication between departments and make sure that there's that consistency. Because if you try to scale and implement strategy without that, without that consistent, clear communication on what the vision, values, and principles are, you're a lot less likely to implement the strategy to the outcome that you want to achieve consistently over time yeah. and unified, unifiedly, unified in a unified way. <laughs> and so HR is, especially again, especially as you, as you grow is, is going to be what keeps that. Cause then again, like you said, um, are my managers interviewing properly, right? Do we have an interview process? Do we have an exit? process are we learning when we do lose employees are we yeah. learning from why did we lose them it's because we shouldn't have hired them it's because we were, were we not developing them was it we just weren't a good fit for them or we didn't have them in a role that they could succeed in or whatever it is right did they not have the just training the onboarding did they not have all that kind of stuff and that it's seen as boring and a lot of people you know you hear okay if we hire the right person they're just going to go and do their job and i won't have to talk to them and then you're fine it's like okay what if that person goes and does their job, but they are completely a mismatch culturally? They do not have uh, unified values with the company, and all of a sudden they fester. And this is a strong word, but they become a cancer, mm. right? So they call it like the the uh, I forget what you call them. It's like the this is another hard word, but it's like the terrorist, like the high performing terrorist. It's like they they do their job well, but they're not in line with the vision. They're, 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 they're brilliant they're, jerks. There's a million names for them, and I yeah, like that yeah. one too. <laughs> You know, they're just assholes that hit numbers, yeah. right? Great. But again, you go to implement a strategy over time. If you have tactics that you've implemented to execute on a strategy over, uh, you know, whether it's a quarter, six months or a year, long the longevity piece, right? HR allows that to be executed over a long period of time because it, again, you're upholding the culture, values, vision, and principles. It doesn't allow for those types of people to be in your company for a long period of time if they are why and then how do we avoid that in the future so i always saw hr as more of a again not always but after doing my research it's much more it's the glue i think it, you know it's more dynamic than people think which i you know and also um yeah i i hear you zach i think like also you know in some cases it's like Maybe the business is in a situation where you just need those high-performing jerks to go out and get the numbers off the ground. And, like, that's okay, too. You know, like, that could be the business strategy. There's a there's an HR strategy for that also. You know what I mean? Where like, okay, well, if that's what we're going to prioritize at all costs, we're going to have super attrition over in these areas because these partner teams aren't going to want to work with them. But if that's literally what, you know, is keeping the business open you know what i mean then then i understand why a leader might make that really tough call based on the overall business needs at that time right and so that's where the that's where the hr person really can help the business leader say okay where are you right now in your in the state of the state of your business what are your options what are the like i mean pros and cons are a very like basic way to think about it but it's like you know if we went this route what would we need to, to do in order to support that? What are some potential fallout of choosing this path, right? And and HR isn't there to tell you what to do. It's there to help you think through what you 
what you want to do, right? Like at the end of the day, the business leader is the one who will make that decision and HR will help them either communicate it, you know, the change management aspect of things. That's really, that's the power of HR. And, and that could be one person or it could be a team of 20. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you have a good person in your corner to just help you think through some of this stuff. Um, mm. That's, that's the value. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and you're right. If, if you're, if you're needing, you know, a big uh, quarter of growth, right. Then that, that might be the strategy, but again, HR is there a to implement the strategy and also, okay, we made this decision. What could be the fallout in six months from now? What's the plan to mitigate the effects, yeah, the negative effects exactly. from that? Right. And that's yeah. again, and that's yeah. a big, big piece where HR kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, in your opinion, so what what is the difference? How do you, especially because you've been involved with some very large companies, how do you keep a, a consistent throughout multiple departments, like that consistent communication, especially around you know, the values and principles of a company? Uh, well, I do think that there is power in actually writing them down and just having something that you can publish. I mean, it's that easy. Um, but then it's really like, are your operating processes, are your, so one, start with publishing them because that is making sure people, you, you have enough context behind what you're intending the interpretation of these values and cultural principles to be. So like you as a leader, it's your responsibility to explain exactly what you mean and make sure that everyone understands it. So, um, whether it's a team meeting, all hands, an email, you know, launching, um, you know, starting to anchor performance conversations or, you know, uh, development conversations of like, hey, Zach, um, grow or die is a value of ours. And here's what this means to me. And so once a week or maybe once a month, we're going to go over a grow or die moment. And so you're going to tell me, like, what's something where you feel like it's holding you need help to grow or or you won't be able to grow um uh or like what did we learn about the business right like what did we learn from our customers or things of that nature so i think number one start integrating it into your interactions with the team right mm -hmm. and and start replacing that language like use that language in all of the ways that you work as an organization and a company um that is super powerful you want people to start repeating this stuff. You know what I mean? Like you want people to start using this language when you're not in the room. And that's really when you know something has landed. Um, you also, if you're a manager of managers or a leader of leaders, you want to make sure that you're telling your leader, hey, how is this going with your team? Like, are they understanding it? Where are they getting confusion? Maybe like that's the feedback loop around... Mm -hmm did we land this right? Do we need to clarify further? Is this not resonating? Like, did I come up with these in a vacuum and it's actually not applicable to the way that people are in the field or, you know, um, go like maybe the, maybe the organization isn't ready to take these on yet. Right. And so you need to kind of come up with some intermediate, um, values to kind of like get those step change for them to a place where they can really understand what that what that north star looks like um so i think that's that's 
communicate, communicate, communicate. Like you definitely can't do too much of it. Um, and I think really like start writing it into your customer reviews, right? Like, Hey, mm -hmm. our company values are X, Y, Z. Did this person show up that way? Like, did we show up this way? Is this the way that it, it did the values actually pertain just to the internal team or, you know, do you want them to permeate out to the way your customers feel about, about your organization when they are working with you? So I think like, that's another aspect to think about too, is like, if we were to stop a customer on the street, would they say, oh, you know what comes to mind? Like that Summit Chasers team, like they are always thinking about ways to grow or die. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that is, if I think about Zach or Audrina or Chrissy, they are always challenging themselves to get to the next, like, like, or help or challenging me on like how to get to mm -hmm. the next step. Right. And, and they live those values like that. I mean, Zach, if that, when that happens and I'm not, feeding our customers on what to say, but I'm just saying like, if anyone ever feels that way about the three of us and the way that we're showing up with, with the summit chaser values, I mean, I think that's, that's the best compliment we could ever get ever, ever, ever. Mm. Um, so, yeah. because, you know, we, re I, we really believe in them. And so I think like, it's the way we have kind of used our own careers, right. To get, to evolve ourselves as people. And so, um, that's where, that's where I would say, uh, you know, really just being able to integrate it into the fabric. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it's, you say, when somebody's to come and ask you, Hey, what is your company values? And you say them, you're like, Oh, that makes sense. I see that. Yeah, or, you know, or you know really? what I mean? Like, you know, like, you know. Yeah. Or if it's really, it's like, okay, I need to work yeah. on those, but no, it's, yeah. but that's, it's, it's kind of ingrained. It can be subtle, but again, consistent and frequently communicated. So it's, it's almost like, like corporate habits that you have. So like yeah. if, if a, company has a core value of you know like ours like grow or die or you know be smart always learn kind of thing start a book club right you have a book of the month sort of thing and then yeah. it's up to you whether it's your manager or if you're a really big company you might have you know your own hr representative for each department kind of thing but once a month you what did you learn and how are you going to implement it into working with your customers or working with your teams or working with the clients or whatever it is um but it ingraining it into like the corporate habits like that's just like somebody should say yeah our one of our big values is is always be learning it's like oh that makes sense because you guys read a lot of books and then you guys talk about them all the time and then every time every time i you know from month one that was one thing that was really impressed me with one of my mentors was um as i was working with them so i worked with them for about six months mm -hmm. i could tell the difference in the the guy that we were working with um, the, the mentor we were working with from month one to month six, like he had clearly improved. Right. So when it's obvious like that, it's like, Oh, yeah. okay. That, that, that makes sense. Like it shouldn't be a surprise. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it could be as simple as put them on the walls, right. Put them in your policy or when you have your one-on-ones with your, with your manager, make sure the manager is like, okay, you know, which, which core value do you feel like you struggled with the most this week? Or which one do you feel like you represented the best this week and, and why, right? It could be subtle things like that, right? You don't have to, you know, do a company-wide book club. Yeah. You don't have to do that. You can, yeah, I right. recommend doing something like that, but it, it can be subtle. It just has to, I think the key thing is, is it has to be consistent and then the actions have to match it. Yeah. I think one thing to note is like, it would be awesome to start up. Like if a book club is what supports that, you know, um, supports that value across the organization. And that's the way you want people to start to like engage with those values. 
that's awesome. It's also really important that managers are making time for people to engage in those activities in a way mm -hmm. that shows that we really do live the values. Like you engaging with these values is just as critical as you, you know, whatever activity you're doing that your manager is asking you to do in order to like hit the business goals. Right. And so I think that there's, that is one thing is like, it will start to feel very inauthentic or just like you slapped some words on the wall, but they don't really mean it. Right. It's like, we checked a box, we have values, we posted them. Um, if you're not allowing your team members to engage in them in, in the way. So I think like that is really a way to check your own authenticity as leaders and making yeah. sure your managers understand that those are the expectations as well. And I would say that was, that's almost more detrimental than having them and then not abiding yeah. by them. I would rather, yeah. if you're not ready to implement them and put again, these habits or, or these, these small kind of processes in place and be consistent with them and not, not live them, like be actionable about them. It, you're better off just, okay, holding off, like just don't, don't have them because then if, if you have them and you don't abide by them, you're, you're lost all credibility, right? And let's yeah. say, okay, all of a sudden, okay, no, now we're going to start abiding by these core values. Your employees are like, okay, yeah, all right. I'm just going to skim through the book. I'm going to go on chat GPT. Like I'm mm -hmm. not, you know what I mean? And there's, oh, that's just one example. There's a million other examples of how you can put these things in place to, to be consistent with your values. Um, whether it's the way you, you communicate, like one of ours is the window and mirror maturity, right? So if you're a manager, and you have that core value, right? And then all of a sudden, something goes wrong, and you're like, "Well, it's their fault, right?" And or or it's, it's well, it's because this person wasn't performing right, or I shouldn't have even had that person on my team, or this strategy was silly. I didn't sign off yeah. on that. You you immediately lose all credi credibility. So even then, next time, and if you do that consistently, the next time you're like, start taking responsibility for it. People are going to be like, "What's uh, what's what's he doing?" What's, 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 is there like an alternative motive here? Like the, the trust is gone. So you're better off. You should always, you should have them. This isn't, but I'm, the point is you're better off. If I had to pick between not having them and I'm um, sorry, if I had to pick between having them and not abiding by them and just not having them, I would rather just not have them because at least then you're, that's your values. Just that we don't have values where we're well, well, the West, right. And that's your culture. Yeah. Right. And some yeah. places that's fine and they can get away yeah. with it. Right? Yeah. I don't recommend it, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. They should be values that you as a leader can actually show up as <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like if it's too much of a stretch for you, don't put that additional stress on yourself of having to shift. Like there's ways for you to highlight what you're already amazing and incredible at. Um, and like why people have already chose to work with you. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you have a team today because you're already doing something. Um, important or that resonates with them or you know your customers are using you because of a certain reason and so lean into what's working versus like having to feel like you have to project you know something more stereotypical uh yeah. like i think that's to bring it all back around like that is why i love the business of business because like products are whatever they are but people choose to work with the people right and so that to me is what is the business plan right is like how do we scale this leader this this organization this customer experience etc um and yeah and that's that's what gets me up every morning to think about well us too 
<laughs> so that's yeah. why we're happy you're on the team. Yeah. Know that the value that you're going to be able to bring to our, our network, our community, our clients, everybody listening, uh, is it's like the size of a mountain. It's the summit, <laughs> right? Like it's, no, it's, it's, in, it's insurmountable. And I'm uh, just you as a person in, in general, right? Even if you didn't have all this amazing experience and knowledge as you as a person, uh, people get a lot out of that in, in itself. So we're very, very happy to have you on the team uh, and excited for where we're going. We're doing some pretty amazing things. Um, our uh, partnership with Koyos is just like the tip of the iceberg. So, and it's, yeah. it's crazy. So that's really, really cool stuff. But I usually, I would ask people like, what's their next summit, but I might know the answer this to this, but it. I'll ask you anyways. This, this is, is it. it. Yeah. Building summit chasers. <laughs> we're it. Building yeah. summit chasers to the moon. And then I'd always ask them, where can they find you? But they know that as well. So, yeah. because you're, you're us. So, but Christy, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, again, people are going to see a lot, a lot more of you. So I really appreciate it. And we'll see y'all in the next one. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed, you were inspired, you learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.